Welcome to the weekly podcast from Harvest Ridge Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio. Our heart's desire is that you would grow in your love and devotion to Jesus Christ and that these messages will strengthen your daily walk. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at www.harvestridge.net. I figured I would do like you guys and take a good nap today. And a guy told me one time, he met me at the back door, he said, Pastor, I just want you to know, God did a miracle. I was healed during your sermon today. I said, really? Really? What, what was your sickness? He said, insomnia. <laughs> uh, anyway, you know, I used to be addicted to soap. Used to be addicted to soap. But I'm clean now. This is my wife's fault. This one's my wife's fault. This, if you don't like it, blame her. All right. I wanted my kids to watch the orchestra, but I had to turn it off. Way too much sax and violins. Oh. <laughs> all right, all right. Today is the beginning of what we call Holy Week, what the world calls Holy Week. Holy Week is uh, a remembrance of the last week of Jesus' life, and it started today with Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday, not this kind of palm. There were palm branches. Uh, palm branches, they would cut them off the trees uh, because they didn't have flags in those days, so they used palm in Israel. Palm branches was sort of like their national flag, and there's a little more po political nature to this. We'll talk about it in a second, but a little bit more of a political nature to this day than most of us think. So anyway, Palm Sunday was when they waved palm branches. We'll read that story and go through it. Uh, but that happened on Sunday, and I know uh, Matthew and Luke sort of conflate the story. They sort of push them together in a timeline, and it makes it seem like Jesus went immediately to the temple and cleansed the temple on Sunday, but he didn't. Uh, Mark makes it very clear that he waited till the next day, so on Monday, he goes in and clears the temple, and then um, after he clears the temple within 72 hours, he's dead, because uh, anyway, uh, that, was, that was a pretty strong statement he made there by cleansing the temple. Um, so on, that's Monday, and on Thursday evening, he is... Um, he has the, the, it could have been Thursday or Wednesday, depending on timeline. There's some debate about that, but Thursday is how the church naturally celebrated it. Thursday is a celebration of um, the Last Supper, where Jesus ate the Last Supper with his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane, and that's where Judas betrayed him, it would be Thursday. Then Friday was the day that Jesus had his trial before Pilate. He was beaten, and then he was crucified and died and buried just before dark on Friday afternoon. And that's the reason we do a Good Friday service. Good Friday service will be, uh, just take those old records off the shelf. I should be on Name That Tune. So anyway... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right, all right. Sorry. If, if you don't like having fun, you're probably not going to like my message today. So you all right if we try to have some fun with this passage? All right, good, good. We're going to try to have some fun, all right? So I'm a little lighthearted up here. Friday was the day that Jesus was killed and crucified, so we do a Good Friday service. That's this Sunday. One of the, or this Friday, 
Good Friday, not Sunday. Uh, it's 7 o'clock. We're going to have it here at the church, and we're going to do a baptism. So we're doing a baptism, and if you are in the place and you've never been baptized, and you need to be baptized, just go online to the Harvest Ridge Net events page and sign up, and we will try to be in touch with you and work out how you can be baptized. Uh, so what baptism is, the reason it's a great day for baptism, it's the day Jesus died, and we can celebrate your death too. You know that's what baptism is, right? Death, burial, and resurrection. We have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, we live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. So what we do is we hold your funeral, your spiritual funeral, and we baptize you and lower you into the water. When we lower you into the water, it's symbolic of you going into the grave. And just as the life of the Spirit came into Jesus, we're going to symbolize the life of the Spirit coming into you, lift you up out of that water, and you're going to be new in the name and power of Jesus. And I want to celebrate you, that with you. And then next Sunday, well, we'll talk about that next Sunday. You got to be here to hear that because you got to hear the rest of the story, right? All right. So today, I want to read the story of the triumphal entry. And um, there are two key players in the story we're going to read. And as we read it, I would like you to call out those two key players. I could have highlighted them for you to be able to see them so that you know what I'm talking about. So would you stand to your feet in honor of God's word and let's do this. Can we read, look at the story? I'll read it. And you guys, when we come to the key players, I think you'll notice who they are, right? I might've highlighted them. All right, here we go. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Come on, help me. Who? Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you at once. You will find a tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say the Lord. So we're talking about Jesus, just a different name for him. The Lord needs them. He will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a? On the colt, the foal of a? The disciples went out and did as? Instructed them. And they brought the? And the colt and placed their cloaks on them for? To sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road, the crowds went ahead of him, and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heavens. Then, or when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred, and they asked, Who is this? And the crowd answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth and Galilee. All right. Do y'all think y'all picked up who the two key players are? Yes. Number one key player is who? Jesus. Number two key player is? Donkey. Donkey. You read it a lot, right? Those, yeah. the, the, the simple word order tells you who is important here. All right. So I'm going to compare you today in this message to one of the key players in this story. <laughs> But it probably isn't going to be Jesus, because you're not real good at that. So if I'm going to compare you to something, and it's not Jesus, then I'm going to wind up comparing you to what? 
So I'm going to show you how you sort of fit as the donkey in the story. Now, I thought about using the old King James word today for donkey. But my wife told me if I did that, I would have to sleep on the couch. And I do not like to sleep on the couch. I like to snuggle with her. And uh, I don't think it was a good idea. So, but you know what? Since I'm not going to use the old King James word, it doesn't mean that some of you aren't reprobates. And in your brain, you will, every time I think donkey, you will think the old King James word. And there's a couple of times it might actually fit better. Are y'all with me? All right, all right. So I know it's a little different, a little different than most of the messages I preach, but uh, I I just wanted us to have some fun today. I want to make a couple of points about you being a donkey, okay? All right, all right. We good with that? Good. All right, before we do that, let's say a prayer. Father, I pray you'd speak. Your heart would be open to us, and our hearts would be open to you. You'd say some stuff to us and our spirits. We would listen And we would respond, and we would be the donkey you made us to be. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So uh, I'm going to ask you, instead of turn to somebody and go, or whatever it is like that, which would be really cool and fun, I'm going to ask you to turn four or five people. And our word for the day is Hosanna, which means save us, right? So uh, I think it'd be cool for you to high five somebody, give them a big smile, say Hosanna in the highest, you know, Hosanna, Jesus save us, you know, you look really good. I don't know if you're sitting next to somebody and you're single and you caught their eye and they don't have a ring, you might go over and say, hi, Hosanna, and save me. <laughs> I don't know. Don't be creepy. Turn and greet some people this morning. If you're online, high five to you. All right. I want to make three comparisons of a donkey to you. Can we do that? Three comparisons of you to a donkey. And let's start with the first obvious one. Donkeys aren't horses. I know this is hard for you to believe in the culture we live in when you get to pick whatever you want to be. There is a difference between donkeys and horses. For example, for example, let's start with a story, old story. I, um, my first date with my wife. This is all the way back in Bible college. Me and my wife, we uh, actually, she asked me on the date because she knows a good thing when she sees it. <laughs> she asked me on the date. It was a Sadie Hawkins date. It was one of those things where the girls asked the guys. And she put a, her and her friend asked me and another young man who was a city slicker from Detroit city slicker. From, are y'all getting this? We're driving down a gravel road and he's driving his car, you know, his car on a gravel road and the gravel is shifting under the tires and he's going really fast and the road's not sloped. So it's actually sloped away. And I said, you ever driven on a gravel road before? And he said, no. And I said, I didn't think so. You might want to slow this thing down, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? So anyway, me and the city slicker and the two, my what would eventually be my wife and another young lady all go on a, a double date. And this is where we went. We actually have a picture of it. And, and now you can see why I picked her. There ain't no understanding why she picked me. But you notice what's in the background there. She took me horseback riding. 
Now, I am the only person here of the group of the four that knows anything about horses. I grew up in Oklahoma. I rode horses all the time. My brother had horses. We rode them constantly. And uh, my wife had been on a horse once before. The city slicker had never been close to a horse. And the other girl had never ridden a horse. We go to ride a horse. Now, this isn't your normal place to horseback ride. Because normally, they put you like, if you go now, they don't do this. This is a free ride. So free ride means that they gave you a saddle and a, a, a bridle, and they said, go have fun. We have 280 acres here. There's 5,000 acres of a national forest back over here. Go wherever you want. Just be back by the time they gave us. These horses were also not the kind of horses that follow in line. These were horses that had been on the farm for a while. So my wife was on a horse named Star, which I will never forget the rest of my life. Her horse's name was Star. I was on a horse. City Slicker was on a horse, and City Slicker's girlfriend was on a horse. So we get to the top of this hill. We come out of the barn. We go around, and we come. We're maybe on the horses five minutes total. We're at the top of the hill, and we're going to go this way. But down the hill, down the hill, there was a herd of horses, a half dozen horses down below, maybe eight, nine, down below. And they saw us at the top of the hill, and one neighed. And when this one neighed, City Slicker's horse decided he did not want to be ridden anymore. So he took off as did City Slicker. <laughs> Horse goes down, down the hill, and I look up because City Slicker's horse took off. Well, my wife's horse followed. Robin's horse followed. And I can see her as a big black mare, and she's on this big black mare holding on to the saddle horn with one hand and pulling on the reins as hard as she can with the other, yelling, Whoa, star! Whoa, star! Whoa! Whoa, star! Whoa! Whoa! All the way down the hill. Well, there's a reason she married me. Come on. I took off in the horse, you know, my horse. I know what I'm doing. I kick him really good in the flank. We head down. I grab her horse. I bring her horse under control, take her back up the hill. I chase the other horse back to the barn. I get back up the hill. Me and come riding up the hill. And, you know, I gave Star to City Slicker. And for the rest of the day, <laughs> my wife be riding, holding on around me. <laughs> and you see that smile on my face? That's at the end of the day. Come on, she was snuggled up against me. I'm like, yeah, baby. That was the day I said to her, hey, everybody's talking about us dating. Are we going to prove them right or prove them wrong? That's the way I asked her out, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Smooth here. <laughs> now, why do I tell you that story? I tell you that story for a reason. Because a horse is different than a donkey. A horse will take off. Go crazy down the hill and run fast. Horse, you can pull its head, it's not going to listen. But a donkey? Donkey's like moving 10 miles an hour at max. Good guy on foot can outrun it, catch up to a donkey because donkeys are slow. You know what else donkeys are? They're sure-footed. They're incredibly sure-footed. You know what you don't do? You don't take pack horses over the mountains. You take pack mules and pack donkeys because they're sure-footed. We'll talk about that in a second. All right, so let's read. Uh, uh, the kings ride horses when they're going out to war. 
Kings ride horses when they're going out to war. I don't know if you've ever read any histories or anything like that, but horses, when they get in battle and they smell blood and they hear the roars and the shouts, they get all, rah, and they run and charge into things. And kings will ride them because it's hard to shoot an arrow at a moving target on a horse, right? And the horse will run you over. And even if you shoot it with an arrow, the horse is still going to run you over. So kings ride horses going out toward. They're dangerous, but they're fast. They protect the king. They let the king get from point A to point B quick, and it's hard to catch them. But kings, when they win, they don't ride horses. They ride donkeys back home. Why do you ride donkeys back home? Well, because a donkey is sure-footed and slow, and if king's already won, then he doesn't have to go anywhere fast. He can just celebrate and revel in his victory. But horses are dangerous. I'll give you one more horse story. My brother had the meanest, nastiest horse I've ever ridden in my life. There was a barn, and the barn sat like this. And around the corner of the barn right here, there was a tree that had a low branch. I mean, if you're on a horse, about that tall. And one day I'm riding this horse, and the horse didn't like it. And he's like, fight me, fight me, fight me. And I'm holding him, and he takes me around the barn and runs me right under the branch. And if I didn't know the branch was there and then slidden down the side of my saddle... I would have had a branch in my face and I would have been on the ground because horses are dangerous. The donkeys, they're calm, they're stable. So, Zechariah 9.9 says, Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. Your king comes to you, righteous and victorious. Riding lowly and riding on a donkey, a coat, the foal of a donkey. The king rides the donkey because he wants to be safe when he comes back home victorious. I want you to see this, that the only time a king rides the donkey is when he is victorious already. So Jesus rides a donkey into Jerusalem. Why did he do that? The reason he did it, because he was calling a shot. Come on. It would be like, I don't know. Uh, oh, who beat Florida Atlantic yesterday? South Dakota? San Diego State. It'd be like San Diego State calling their shot to win the NCAA tournament. If y'all don't know anything, they have no chance to win. And yet they're playing in the final they, they have no pedigree. They have nothing. So Jesus comes riding into town. I am the victor. I am the king. I've already won the battle. And everybody's looking at him. Who are you? Who are you? See, there, there's an incredible statement being made here. Jesus is declaring his victory before it happened. He called a shot. He called his death, burial, and resurrection. And then he pulled it off. So, how does this apply to you? Well, you're not a horse. You're a donkey. And some of you are pretending to be horses. You don't have to be something you're not for God to use you and for you to have a reason. 
You need to be who God made you to be, not who culture identifies you to be or who your sin identifies you to be. God made you a donkey for the time when he needs a donkey, not a horse. And you're not a mistake for being a donkey because Jesus needed a donkey, not a horse. You don't need to be something you're not for Jesus to use you because Jesus can use you just as you are. Now, we have an identity crisis in our culture. You were made in God's image. You are made on purpose by God with a purpose for a purpose. You are designed by him for a reason. And sin has distorted that reason. All of us. Yeah, there's some of you, when I talk about your identity, all you think is, I got an L, I got the loser on my forehead. And I want to ask you, who told you you're a loser? And why do you buy that identity? Because God made you on purpose. Why would you believe that you are a loser when God's word says you are more than a conqueror through Christ? Why do you believe that? I'll tell you why you believe that. Because you're distorted by sin. Sin has distorted your view of you so you don't even know who you are. Some of you think you're all that in a bag of chips. And you aren't. You know, you think you're all that. Well, the whole world revolves around me. How do I change a light bulb? I just hold it up. The world revolves around me. We got people like that in our world. Some of you, some of you are like that. You're all proud. You think everything's about you all the time. It, well, we'll get to that in a second. Pride makes you see yourself more important than you are. I want want to ask you a question. What makes you think you're so important? How about this one, lust? You see the purpose of your life to fulfill your passions and your pleasures. You live your life to fulfill your passions and your pleasures. Where did you come up with the idea that your life is about fulfilling your lusts and pleasures? Come on. I had a piece of cake last night. My wife made this homemade cake. She made this homemade cake. She made me some, and she made some to take to the house we were going to. And before we went, I had a piece of that cake. And I'm telling you right now, that cake was amazing. But I got to the people's house, and I ate another piece of that cake, and it was still amazing. And I came home at night, and you know what I wanted? What did I want? Why? Because my lusts will never be satisfied. No matter what I do to fulfill them, they will never be satisfied. So if it's sexually, or whether it's eating, or whether it's drinking, or whether it's getting this or doing that, you will never be satisfied. That's why Jesus said, I, he says about you, you have been crucified with Christ, and you need to die. And we need to hold your funeral so you can die to your lust, so you can live to the identity God made for you. Don't let your lust define you. This is good stuff, people. And some of you, you're trying to be a donkey or trying to be a horse and you're a donkey. Or you're trying to be a gazelle and you're a donkey. Or you're trying to be a cow and you're a donkey. Why don't you just accept that God made you to be a donkey? 2 Timothy 1.9 says, He saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because He has purpose and grace for you. 
Do you see that? His own purpose and grace. God knows what's best for your life, and he designed it for you. Why not do it his way rather than keep fighting him to do it your wrong way? So, if God made you on purpose, you're not a mistake. And some of you feel like a mistake. You're not a mistake. God designed you on purpose. You're not a mistake. You will never find your purpose by pursuing your sinful desires or this cultural identity for you. Find your identity in Jesus and his purpose for your life. All right, second thing we know about donkeys, donkeys need to be covered. Donkeys need to be covered. Why? Anybody ever ridden a horse? Anybody ever ridden a donkey? I've ridden a donkey. My brother had a donkey for a while. I rode that thing and uh, crawled on it, you know, just jumped on it one day, no saddle, rode it, and I got off and my pants were brown. Why were my pants brown? Because the dirt and the muck and the hair on the donkey. So you know what you need if you're going to ride a donkey? You need something to cover you or else you're going to be a mess smelling like a donkey the rest of the day. So what they do? They threw their cloaks on them so that there was a covering between the donkey and Jesus. I want to make a theological point out of this. Matthew 21, 7, they brought the donkey and the coat and they placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. And the theological point I want to make out of it is a word called atonement. Atonement is a word that it basically means to cover. Um, there's a lot to unpack here. It's a theological, biblical word. In one of our songs today, we even use the word atone. Did y'all catch that? There's a word atone. What does that mean when we use these fancy words? Well, one of the things it means is to cover. So God is holy and God is pure and God is righteous in everything he does and everything he says. And you are not holy and you are not pure and you're not righteous in all you say and do. As a matter of fact, I'm going to say most of the time, you're probably pretty unrighteous because if I were to crawl up in your head, your head's all messed up, right? Anybody ever do the right thing for the wrong reason? Yeah. All right. So here we are. God's holy. We're not. So there needs to be a covering between God and us if he's going to interact with us. And since everyone has sinned and we've broken God's covenants, we deserve to die. When we broke God's covenants and we broke his holiness, we deserve to die. But God doesn't want to kill us. You know, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. We all deserve it, but God doesn't want to. So he had to figure out a way to atone or to cover our sins and brokenness. And um, in Exodus 30, 10, it says, this annual atonement must be made for, uh, with the blood of the atoning sin offering. So God set up a system in the Old Testament. The old way was to kill an animal and their blood was sh uh, shed so that there would be a covering. When God looked or interacted with humanity, there would be a blood covering in between them and us and he wouldn't have to judge us because God doesn't really want to judge you for all the stupid things you do because he's probably got better things to do than judge you for every stupid thing you do. I mean, I'm sure he's busy. It'd be a lot. Some of us would keep him busy all the time. All right, so, but that just didn't happen in the Old Testament because you see in the New Testament, what God did is God made a new way to cover our sins in the blood of Jesus. John, uh, 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 says, I write this so that you will not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He, Jesus himself, on the day that he died on the cross, became the atoning, the covering sacrifice for all of our sins. And not only for ours, but also the sins of the whole world. So what happened is, Jesus 
made a plan to cover your brokenness and your stinkiness and your sinfulness so that he can interact with you. He found a way to atone or to cover. Now, it's sort of like this right here. Now, I pulled this one out of my basement. It's a little old. But um, this is what you need when you... See? I can't even open it right because the junk inside just gets in the way. Hold on, hold on. So, I'm um, do a little illustration here. This is you. You're falling to pick apart. Whoops, look at that. I pull you out. Man, I'm making a mess. This stuff's flying everywhere. Is this how anybody feels on the inside ever? You ever feel like this? This is your life? Well, this is you. You ready? You go to God. You go to approach God. You're just like this stuff. I mean, you're everywhere. You're going to mess. You're, but, you, but you know what? This becomes really useful. If you put a cover on it, if you atone it, if you atone it, it becomes useful. I mean, then, you know, you can, if you can get a zip because all the gross, all these pieces are stuck here. Do you ever struggle with this? You know, God's, God's trying to forgive me. Yeah, I'm just like this mess right here. <laughs> Jesus loves me. Yes. Well, that's how I, oh, there we go. Oh, and then I caught more in it. You're a mess. Can we just admit it? You're a mess. God's trying to cover you up and you're still a mess and you're getting in the way every time he's trying to do it because you know what God wants? God wants to cover you and all your brokenness and your sinfulness so you can take a nappy. Now this stuff ain't flying everywhere, is it? It's not a mess everywhere, is it? Do you know why? Because it's been atoned. So you need a cover if God's going to, because you're a donkey, and you're a mess, and you're covered. All right, last one. Donkeys know it ain't about me. <clears throat> now, donkey was the secondary player in the story. Who's the important player in the story? Yeah, it ain't you. You're the donkey. Well, it ain't about you. So... Matthew 28, 8 says, Very large crowds spread their cloaks on the road, and while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Notice what's going on here. There are branches being cut, hacking, cutting branches. The crowds went ahead of him, and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed he who comes in the name of the Lord. Highest heaven, uh, Hosanna in the highest heaven. What's going on here is this. The, can you just picture this? Come on, think with me for a second. You've got to actually think about this text. Donkey's here, got a couple of blankets on him. Jesus sitting on his back. They start walking down the hill of the Mount of Olives. And then everybody comes out and starts taking their cloaks and doing like this right in front of the donkey, right in front of his face throwing it on the ground. Somebody else is waving a palm branch in his face and donkey's just trying to walk down the hill and there are cloaks and there are palm branches and there's a crazy kid yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna, everybody's screaming and shouting. Now one of two things is going on in this donkey's head. Number one, donkey thinks, man, am I important today? <laughs> Hosanna to the donkey. <laughs> that, that's pretty silly though, isn't it? Now, some of, you, some of you interact with Jesus and you, you think it's all about you. You think you read the Bible, you know, you get your daily devotional verse because you never read anything in context and you always pull it out of context because you think everything in the Bible is about you. Well, guess what? Not everything is about you. The don It ain't about the donkey. What's it about? 
It's about the one sitting on the donkey, right? So the donkey is either thinking, hey, I'm important, or, or maybe, maybe the donkey's thinking this. What did I do? Everybody's yelling at me. Why do they keep throwing those things in my face and spreading those cloaks out? Why are those people screaming? Why don't they just shut up and leave me alone? I'm just trying to carry Jesus down the hill. Anybody ever feel that way? Anybody ever wake up in the morning and think, why is my life so chaotic? Why is this out of control? You're a donkey carrying Jesus. Where did you get the idea that there would be no chaos? Where did you think, I'm going to get saved and follow Jesus and everything's going to be pie in the sky perfect? Where did you come up with that idea? Probably watching one of those TV preachers. Turn them off. Don't listen to people on YouTube. They don't know anything. Yeah. Are, are y'all following me here? Where do you get this idea that you follow Jesus, there's no more chaos? Wherever you got that idea, you got it wrong. Because the donkey is walking down the hill and everybody's screaming and yelling and carrying on, but they're not carrying on for him. They're carrying on at Jesus. And his world was chaotic because he was doing the right thing. Because it ain't about him. It's about Jesus. And sometimes God allows you to be in chaotic situations so that the whole world can take a look at the chaos that's going around in your world and see Jesus through how you behave instead of the chaos everybody else sees. It ain't about you. The donkey's there to carry Jesus. Paul understood this. Paul said, Philippians 1.20, I eagerly expect and hope that in no way will I be ashamed. But I will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or death. Yes. It isn't about you. Yes. It's about Jesus. That's how people were able to die in the Roman Colosseum for the cause of Christ with a smile on their face because they knew that it wasn't about them, it was about Jesus. And you know what you need to do? Some of you, just listen to me right now. You feel like the donkey and the world's chaotic. You know what you need to do? You need to keep calm because that's why God designed you. You need to keep calm and carry Jesus with integrity. That's what you need. Just keep calm because you got one job. You only got one job to get Jesus, to carry Jesus through your life. You got one job. How many jobs you got? One. What happens if you goof up this one job? Well, I happen to get some pictures of what it looks like when you goof up this one job. All right, how about the next one? I mean, they even had an example right there in front of them. All right, we got another one? We got another one? And they should have went there. So cool. They had one job. They got their job wrong. What happens? Everybody that goes past looks at them and goes, yeah, they didn't get their job right. You got one job. That job is to carry Jesus through your life. And if you're not doing it, everybody's looking at you going, yeah, they say it, but they don't live up to it. So, hey, donkey. I'm calling you a donkey today. I'm telling you that you need Jesus to cover you. 
You need to live your identity, not somebody else's identity. And you need to do your one job. Do your one job. Now, um, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18 says this. This is my prayer for you right now. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which you're called. You have a call. You have a purpose. This is your call and your purpose. And you need to live in it. Remember, it ain't about you. You know, I had intended to end this different today than I'm going to. But I really feel this is appropriate for me to do. I'm going to ask everybody if you would just bow your heads in this space. And would you close your eyes with me? If you're in this room today and you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, you, you say, I've given him my heart and my life. And you're like that donkey. You feel like it's a little chaotic right now. It's a little chaotic. I just want you to know that God's not abandoned you. You have one job, and that's to carry Jesus through that chaos. And if your life feels a little chaotic right now today, I want to pray with you that you would carry Jesus appropriately. And if that's you and... and you know the Holy Spirit's talking to you. You need to get some things straight. You need to calm down. You need to do your job. You need to quit trying to be something you're not and submit to Jesus and do it his way. If that's you right now, you're a follower of Jesus and you need that, I want you to lift your hand. I want to pray with you. Yes, around this room. Your hands around this room. All right, so could we all just pray together? Come on, let's just, just pray. Everybody, repeat after me out loud. Dear Jesus, I want to represent you in the right way. Help me to be a person committed to following you. Let me do my job and honor you. I give you my life. Once again, use it for your glory. Amen. I pray that Jesus would be with you today and the eyes of your heart would be enlightened so you would know the hope that God has for you in this moment of chaos. I'd like you to bow your heads with me one more time because I want to ask one more question. If you're in this room and you've never had Jesus cover your sins, today is your day for your sins to be covered. Today is the day you say, I want Jesus to be my Lord. I want him to cover my sins. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray with you right now. Yes, yes. Are there others? Jesus, you see and you hear this cry of repentance and I ask you to atone and cover and restore in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Man, if you prayed that prayer in a minute, we got a guy standing back against the back wall there and he's got a little table there with some information. I'd like you to drop by and talk to him. If you need somebody to pray with you today, drop by and talk back there at the back desk. And You know what? We want, we want you to have somebody to pray with you and help you stow, know the next step you need to take to follow Jesus with your life. All right. Now, I got to end this because a donkey's got a job to do.